0: This is Incredible Stories Podcast, Episode 16, Mary's Little Lamb. Well, hello again, everyone. It's time for yet another Incredible Stories podcast. I'm Josh Virela, your phantasmagorical host. And thanks for being here. Today, let's take a journey to our childhood. Way back when innocence was the norm and nursery rhymes filled your ears. Specifically, I'm talking about the popular children's song, Mary Had a Little Lamb. Josh, that doesn't sound incredible. Well, listeners, did you know there was an actual Mary and an actual lamb that was actually little? Yes, there most certainly was. And today I'm going to share with you the story of Mary, how the song came to be, and how this kid's song kickstarted the incredible revolution that would become your being able to listen to this podcast right now. What? Ah now i got your attention here's what i know but first allow me to indulge those listeners who may not know what i'm referring to in mary had a little lamb and the poem let's have it read by mr dice clay mary had a little lamb whose fleece was white as snow and everywhere that Mary went, she did a lot of blow. Hey! hey! Hey, whoa. Mr. Dice, let's keep this on the children's version, please. You know what? I'll just read it myself. Thank you. So the poem actually goes like this, and I will do the call and repeat version, uh, the one where the lines repeat for you. Just, just a little taste. Mary had a little lamb, little lamb, little lamb, Mary had a little lamb whose fleece was white as snow. And everywhere that Mary went, Mary went, Mary went. Everywhere that Mary went, the lamb was sure to go. Yes, I have a very beautiful singing voice, thank you. I could be on one of those live um, theatrical performances of musicals that they do on TV every now and then. But let's continue. This of course, is the first verse in a four-verse song that was first published in 1830 by a Boston publishing company called Marsh, Cappen, and Lion. So, the poem itself was credited to a one Sarah Josepha Hale. And now, although Sarah was given the credit for this poem, this was not her creation, and some may call it fraudulent as the real creator of the poem was... John Rollstone. I'll get into him in a little bit later, but first, let me just make a side note. Sarah Hale may better be known as one of the people most responsible for the making of Thanksgiving as a national holiday, which had previously just been a New England tradition. But that's another story for another time. So the subject of Mary Had a Little Lamb was in fact a young girl named mary sawyer in 1817 she was a bold 11 year old bostonian girl or more precisely sterling massachusetts girl as that's where she was from sterling massachusetts is about 40 miles from the actual boston but mary and her family lived in a quaint cape style home surrounded by farmland very picturesque Mary's house was built in 1756 by Mary's grandfather, who died in the American Revolutionary War and remained one of the oldest structures in Sterling, Massachusetts until it was burned down in 2007 by arsons. But in 1817, Mary would attend school about one and a half miles away on a hill called Redstone Hill to the aptly named Redstone School. The school was typical for the time, a classic New England one-room school. And one day, Mary's brother suggested that Mary bring her pet lamb to school. I'm sure this was more of a dare than a suggestion, but Mary said, CHALLENGE ACCEPTED! Now, small one-room schools were not a place one would bring a pet, let alone a farmyard pet. And this created quite a bit of excitement with the other children, quite a bit indeed. The teacher then made the lamb wait outside until school was over. I mean, you don't want a sheep inside distracting the learnings and plopping gifts on the floors, right? Coincidentally, that morning, the school had a young visitor named John Rollstone, nephew of Reverend Lemuel Capin. Now, I couldn't find too much on the reverend, but I gather he might have been the teacher or headmaster at the school at this time. And this would make sense as during this period of time in America, it was common for young men to prepare for college by studying with reverends, ministers, and such. This explains why John would have been at the schoolhouse at this time. But John had watched the lamb follow Mary to school that morning. And Mary and her lamb didn't just delight the other students, but charmed John so much so that he decided to write a poem for Mary that evening. The next day, John rode back to school and presented Mary a handwritten poem with three stanzas of the poem on it. Most of you are probably just familiar with the first verse, but there are indeed other verses of it. Now, some say that he only wrote four lines and that Sarah wrote the rest. There is a manuscript of the poem that Sarah signed in 1823, and it's still in existence. But it seems that John actually did the writings per what Mary would later tell in life. Oh, the missed royalties, John. You should have copyrighted that <laughs> FYI, Sarah lived in the neighboring county, so she would have been well aware of this ditty and its catchiness. Well, years passed, and this catchy little tune made its rounds through New England and the country as a whole and grew in popularity. And in the 1860s or 70s, I couldn't quite find the exact date, but I'm leaning more toward 1878 here. Um, But at this time, Mary used its popularity to her advantage when she was trying to raise money for Old South Church in Boston. The church, you see, needed money, and Mary decided to help out. So it's a fact that Mary's mother had knitted some stockings many years earlier for Mary made from that very same lamb, that pet lamb of hers. You know, because that's what you do with lambs. You collect their wool and use it to knit stuff. So Mary um, had kept it through the years as a memory of her most favorite of childhood pets. But the church needed help, so Mary unraveled her stockings and put little bits of it onto cards along with her signature, and she then sold them for about 10 cents apiece. All in all, Mary raised $100 from one pair of her stockings, and in that time, in the 1870s, this would have been around $2,000 in modern U.S. money. Well, the church was so enamored by the success they asked Mary for another pair of stockings, which she was happy to provide them, and, you know, they sold those as well. Now, that only left Mary with one card of her own to remember her little lamb by. Let's fast forward to 1925, and Henry Ford, you know, the founder of Ford Motor Company, well... Ford somehow got a hold of one of these Mary Little Lamb cards, along with other materials that id Mary Sawyer as the Mary of the Mary and the Little Lamb fame. Of course, by now, Mary Sawyer had married and her new name was Mary Tyler. Well, Ford was like, no way, I got to check this out. So he took a little road trip with his wife and visited areas in Massachusetts and New Jersey, where he interviewed family members of the Sawyer and Tyler lineage. He also wanted to verify the true writer of the poem and eventually sleuth out the truth that John Rollstone was indeed a real person and had written the story as claimed by Mary. Now, unfortunately, Ford didn't get to meet either Mary or John, as Mary died in 1889, and John had died in 1822, only 17 and a freshman at Harvard at the time. I'm not sure how he died though, I couldn't really find that. But, I mean, that's pretty young. Well, Ford was so into this lovely story of Mary and her little lamb, that he decided that this large wad of money burning a hole in his pocket needed to be spent on something. So he went out and bought Mary's schoolhouse, you know, the one that she attended when she was a little girl. Apparently, by this time, it had become a part of someone's garage, but that would not do. So Ford went ahead and restored the schoolhouse and had it relocated to the property of the Wayside Inn, about 20 miles away. There, it continued to be used as a schoolhouse until 1951, And, a little significance with the Wayside Inn, it's the oldest inn still operating in the U.S. That's almost 300 years of serving travelers. Very historic. And, speaking of historic, in 1878, Thomas Edison first demonstrated his newfangled talking machine, which was able to record and play back one's own voice. The future has arrived! That talking machine was the basis of many of the modern audio luxuries and concepts we enjoy today. Like this podcast? On the old-timey machine, one of the first recordings of a human voice and surely first song played back was Mary Had a Little Lamb. Huzzah! Wait a second, Josh. Wasn't Edouard Leon Scott de Martinsville of France actually the first person to record a human voice in 1860 of some woman singing A Claire de la Lune? And to that I say, well, yes, technically, but Edison was the first to record and play it back. The French guy was only able to record it, and only recently have scientists been able to actually hear that recording using some sort of optic scanning methods and computers. You see, his device was kind of just made to make images of sound waves, which he used to examine it scientifically. So, not really for the purpose that Edison created his machine for. Well, Edison's original 1878 recording was thought to be lost, but thanks to the scientists at the University of California Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory and the Library of Congress, they were able to use optical imaging to recreate the sound of Edison's original tinfoil recordings. Interestingly, Edison and Ford were friends, so I'm sure they compared their merry little lamb notes. So back to Mary and her lamb. You know, the story of the poem. But let me tell you the story of the lamb. So, this little sheep was discovered one day when Mary and her father were out in the barn, checking out things as you do on the farm, you know, checking up on your animals. Then they were feeding the cows, and they went to the sheep pen and noticed two lambs had been born. One of those lambs, though, had been abandoned by the mother and was nearly dead from neglect. Now, Mary, being a compassionate young girl, didn't want to see the lamb die as she thought it still had life. She begged her dad to let her take it into the house, and of course he said no. But what do children do when dads say no? Ask mom, that's right. So, she pestered her mom until she said yes. So, Mary then started nursing the lamb back to life. She sat with it near a fire and feeding it tea until it was able to swallow. She stayed up all night with the lamb to keep it warm, and by the morning, the lamb was able to stand. And once that happened, it gradually got stronger, taking milk and walking. It would then follow Mary around, and they became very closely bonded. Yay! Now the sad part. Mary had been with this lamb for about four years. Then, on one Thanksgiving morning, Mary and some of her family were at the barn, you know, doing the farm stuff. And, of course, her little friend followed her. But the lamb ran into the cow's pen, startling one of them. And because cows are animals with big horns and lambs being very soft, small animals, the lamb, sadly, got gored. The little lamb let out a bleat and went toward Mary for comfort, and Mary held it in her lap where the lamb bled to death. And Mary could do nothing as the little lamb looked at her as if asking for help. Wow, that's that's gotta be tough to do. I mean, Mary must have been very strong for her age to deal with that kind of pain and agony, especially if something that you bonded with like a pet. And although she was sad, she never forgot her playmate, and neither should you now. It immortalized not only in the children's poem, but also with a statue located in Sterling, Massachusetts, you know, in Mary's hometown. And that's the story of Mary and her little lamb. So now you know what I know. But, you know, it's interesting these slices of Americana, and, and I will make a note that the um, story of the lamb itself um, and how it died. I couldn't verify in lots of other independent sources, but it seemed to be true to me from what I was able to investigate, so I think that's correct and how the lamb died and the story of how Neri found the lamb. But a lot of these slices of Americana, you know, get lost in the fog of time. But thankfully, enough of it is preserved where I can shed some light on things like this. And I find the poem of Mary and her little lamb to not just be insight into early American life, but it also encapsulates innocence in a way that only a small child and her pet lamb can. But the full story of Mary's little lamb also tells of a stronger love between a person and their pet and how that bond can easily inspire and motivate a country. Its rapid growth and staying power is a testament to the poem's simplicity and theme, and in that, it is just one strand of American life that runs through the fabric of common experiences, binding people from Thomas Edison to you and me today. Who hasn't sang that song? And, you know, it's still passed along today, and although Sarah didn't write the poem, if she hadn't published it, it may not be such a cherished rhyme today. And with that, I shall try to add a touch of the poetic to this icon in the form of a haiku. Mary loved her lamb, and the lamb loved her also, but we love them both. And that's all for this time, guys. Check out our main site for other stories on incrediblestoriespodcast.com. Send me an email or haiku. You can check out the website link and send it through there. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at IncredPod. Rate us on iTunes and peep us out on YouTube and Stitcher. For Incredible Stories Podcast, I'm Josh. And remember, the journey of a thousand tales begins with the first word. We'll Good. Right